0: All right. Welcome, everyone. And you'll notice on the stage in front of me, we have um, the items that we'll use for communion later. So that's coming at the end of this sermon time, just so you're aware. Uh, Because this is something that's been going on for almost 2,000 years. Uh, The followers and the believers in Jesus Christ have have taken his commandment to to keep on doing this seriously, and so we follow this noble tradition of believers from the very first century until this current living and active time right now, this real-time moment where we remember what Christ did on the cross, how he died for our sins and how he rose again, and that's the price that was paid, and we remember it until he returns, and so that's coming up. Now understand, even in the first century, in the second century, uh, the believers that did this were were often criticized and even harassed. Um, There's documents that say, you know, those Christians are cannibals because they're eating the body and the blood of of something, of each other or of their children. I mean, they they were accused of all sorts of weirdness because of what they did. And we follow in that noble tradition today, where Christians are still accused of weirdness by what we do. And on the highway to happiness, uh, sometimes we find that we are actually going against the flow of everyone else around us. Because Jesus is inviting us to, to, to experience life at its highest level. And he says, here's the pathway to happiness, to blessing is what the Bible calls it. But that's essentially happiness. So living a fulfilled and a satisfied life and, and realizing why God placed you here and, and discovering a relationship with him. And this, is, this is the highway to happiness. And, and he lays it out for us in Matthew chapter 5. And verses 1 to, to 12 and of course we will st- we'll focus on verses 10 to 12 and, and as he gets to the end of the sermon he brings up a very interesting reality that we have to grapple with if we're really serious about um, kind of moving forward and experiencing all that God would have for us um, and the question of course is it is it really worth it if following Jesus results in difficulty and challenges and people making all sorts of false accusations against you. Is it worth it? Let's look at the sermon, now, Matthew chapter 5 and, and verse 1 is where it begins. It says, when he saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, then he began to teach them by saying, again, I've said to you, I hope you are memorizing this, because these are great verses to memorize. You have them in your car, on your bathroom mirror, wherever it is uh, that, that you can, uh, you know, just you know, where you wash dishes, whatever, but you know, this, these are the Beatitudes. We should, we should learn these, and he says in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, or happy, For the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And we'll just stop there. So he's laid out all these blessings, all these highways to happy, happiness, the kind of the, the, the stepping stones to discovering God's best for you. And in the current world in which Jesus is living, these aren't necessarily viewed as the way to find happiness, even in our world. Right? Do the meek really inherit the earth? No. The powerful, rich inherit the earth in our mind and understanding. Are the peacemakers blessed? No. Sometimes peacemakers are shot. You know, um, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, does it really fill you? It seems like other things fill you more quickly and, and more, more immediately than hunger and thirsting after righteousness. And so, so there's this upside-down reality of the highway to happiness. And nowhere is that seen more clearly than in, in this upcoming one in verse 10. But before we get there, I have this picture. Um, Don't follow the world. Go against the flow. Jesus is inviting you to be the red fish here. See, everyone else is going this way, but the highway to happiness is a different direction. It has different values. It has a different purpose to it. And there is incredible happiness and blessing that comes with doing this. And so he says then, that leads us into verse 10. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted. righteousness for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them." And this is almost a surprise because the idea of being happy and persecuted generally don't go together. Happy are the harassed, the people that that take the beats for, for, for aligning their life with the standards and with the righteousness of Christ. Those people truly discover what it means to be happy. And you and I are looking at it and saying, I don't like, actually, harassment. I don't like being called names. I don't like being put down. I don't like being put in a disadvantaged situation. But it, Jesus says, happy are those who are truly persecuted. And, and, and persecuted not not just because, you know, they've they've done something wrong and this is not like okay i got a speeding ticket and now you know the you know i'm getting persecuted because they sent me a ticket and i got to pay this fine and i'm being persecuted no you, you you just you you sped and you got a ticket for speeding or this isn't the oh cra is breathing down my neck because i haven't filed taxes for the last three years that's not persecution for righteousness that's you being irresponsible and not doing what jesus told you to do right i understand that sometimes christians say well i'm taking a stand for this and that's he says, persecution for righteousness. When you say, I am aligning my life with Jesus Christ, and the beginning point of that is being poor in spirit. It's saying, yeah, I got nothing. And Jesus got everything, so I am leaving whatever I had in order to follow Jesus Christ. I believe in him. Poor in spirit. I don't got, I'm bringing nothing to this relationship. He brings everything. And now I'm beginning this relationship, and with that relationship, uh, I'm not just poor in spirit, but now I'm mourning over my sin, I'm meek, I'm gentle, I'm teachable, and in my, in my posture now towards God and towards others, I'm merciful, I'm pure in heart, I'm a peacemaker, I'm hungering and thirsting after righteousness, I'm filling my life with with God's standards, God's way, Christ's example, I'm now trying to align my life with a whole different set of values than I had before, and the result is that that... Uh, some people just aren't going to like it. And he says, "You're blessed. You're happy, and the kingdom of heaven belongs to you." I have this picture here. Ever heard of the crab mentality? Apparently, I'm in—you know—we're Inlanders, so we don't really know the sea here as much as others would. But like, apparently, you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket. If one crab tries to crawl out, all the other crabs grab him and drag him down or hurt, you know. And it's—it's it's like, you no, know, stay in the bucket. Don't get out of the bucket, right? And this is the, the crab mentality. Like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, let's drag others down, let, let's keep eat, you know, and, and they don't realize that the bucket is the place that ultimately ends in the kitchen, right? And in the, in the boiling water, and then, you know, in my stomach, right? And, but the crab mentality is, no, let's drag each other down, and this is the world. Let's stay stuck in our sin. Let's stay stuck in the darkness. Let's, let's not experience full happiness. Let's have momentary, you know, moments of peace, but not lasting inner peace. And we keep dragging each other down. And Jesus says, the reality is, as you crawl out of the bucket, there's going to be some pinchers, you know, snipping at your heels and, and trying to pull you back in because they are not happy that you have discovered this. And they want you to remain in the miserable situation that they are stuck in. Now, this is not an us versus them. I'm just, I'm just saying the reality is the world has, has a whole way of living life. And when someone comes along and says, I don't really want to do that, they they, they get disrupted by it. Okay, it's happened many times in our city. When Christian families have decided, okay, for graduation, we actually don't want our kids going and getting stone cold drunk on some farm somewhere. And we actually want to provide an alternative. And, and other parents are like, what do you mean you have to let them do that? That's the way it is. And they're no, we, don't, we actually don't want our kids doing that. We don't think that's a, a valuable, helpful, healthy thing to do. And they're all, you know, and, 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 and even Christian families are like, come on, that's just what everyone does. Crabs in the bucket. All the kids are cheating on the test, and you decide, I'm not going to cheat. And then the pressure's on. Because then the, t- the teacher says that, okay, everyone else got 99, and you got 87. What happened here? Because I didn't cheat. The teacher asks you, you tell the truth, and what happens? You've got a bunch of people that don't like you. Because you're now being persecuted for righteousness, for doing the right thing, for following Jesus. The crab mentality. We go back to the verse there. Oh, Blessed. Are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. So on a Sunday m- morning in, in September, I sat in, in Central Asia in a country, that, uh, not to be named here and on the line, but uh, in the Central Asian country and with a group of believers in Jesus Christ and uh, uh, gathering in a room where, where what we were doing at the moment was actually illegal because we didn't have the proper papers that authorized us to do what we were doing. And, 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 you know, no one was nervous. Everyone was happy. There was a fullness of the spirit in the room, a focus on the word and on Jesus Christ, sincere singing and praise and rejoicing. But the reality was at any moment, anyone, someone could have come to that door and arrested us all, including us foreigners that were gathered with these locals. Uh, each of them. As they identify with Jesus Christ, as they were baptized and made a public profession, now they are known in the community as betrayers. Their children are called like children of the evil one or whatever. They're they're, they're, they're permanently labeled because they have identified with Jesus Christ and yet they don't care. The pastor says to me, you know, I tell them like, you know, we we could get arrested this morning and and like we don't know what will happen and he says, more people just keep coming. They, they just, they keep coming um, because they've decided that they are going to crawl out of the bucket and the culture around them is pulling them back. No, no, no. You got to stay in this darkened religion that, that, you know, started in the sixth century and, you know, and, and everyone needs to follow this and, and the communist ideal that's mixed in with it. And, and he's like, we have freedom. And the more that they live in that freedom, the more people are attracted to it. They've discovered the highway to happiness. In fact, Second Timothy would say this. Um, now, in fact, all who want to live godly lives in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Isn't that good news? Guess <laughs> what you get to look forward to on the highway to happiness? People are going to throw rocks at you. They're going to throw nails on the road so that your tires get flattened, right? Because they just can't stand to see you moving somewhere where they're not moving. And of course the enemy is behind that and, and ultimately we want to draw people into this highway because this is the, the best and the only way to live life. James Montgomery Boyce says, the Bible says in many different passages that true disciples of Jesus Christ will be persecuted. It's inevitable. A natural consequence of exhibiting true Christian character. Beatitude people become a kind of conscience in a community. It bothers those who have no integrity to live and work with people who play by the rules. What's in it for me, people, are put off by what can I do for you, people. What's in it for me, people, are put off by what can I do it for you, people. I mean, you, you get it. If you said this highway to happiness, you're going to be the, the guy, the girl at work who's you know, merciful, who's peacemaking, who's hungry and thirsting after righteousness, who's pure in heart, and, and, and there's just a whole different standard there. The guys at work discover, oh, man, we can't tell those dirty jokes when, when, when they're around because they just, they don't want to listen to it. All who want to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. A man named Chrysostom was a leader in the early church in the first couple centuries. He describes uh, his situation a great Christian of ancient times, summoned before the Roman Emperor, Arcadius, and threatened with banishment if he didn't cease to proclaim Jesus, is said to have replied, "'Sire, you cannot banish me, for the world is my father's house.' "'Then I'll slay you!' exclaimed the angered ruler. "'Nay, but you cannot, for my life is hid with Christ and God. Your treasures will be confiscated," said the fiery retort. "'Sire, that cannot be. My treasures are in heaven, where none can break through and steal. But I will drive you from man, and you will have no friends left.' That you cannot do either, for I have a friend in heaven who has said I will never leave you nor forsake you. Ultimately he was banished to the edge of Armenia, but he continued to influence his friends by letters so that his enemies determined to banish him further away, he died on the journey. What about us? What are our priorities? What do we say to ourselves? What rings true about us in our minds and in our hearts? Do we understand that the Beatitudes are saying it isn't the rich, it isn't the proud, it isn't the frivolous, the fierce, the full, the cunning, the warlike, or the favorites on the earth, the kings that enter the kingdom? It's the poor, the meek, the sorrowing, the hungry, the sincere, the peacemaking, the persecuted. They enter, and the proof of their citizenship is that they are hated by the world. Do you belong, really? All who want to live. Godly lives of Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And then he goes on in verse 11 to expand on this. He says, blessed are you. When people insult you, persecute you, you and say all kinds of evil things against, about you on, falsely on account of me. He's expanding. This is what it means to be persecuted. You're insulted. Uh, you're, you know, you're persecuted. You're, you know, physically, sometimes uh, violently oppressed. You, 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 people are, are lying about you. And, and making things up about you. Like I said, the early church said they were cannibals because they're eating body and blood, and they don't understand. This is a symbolic representation of what Christ did for us, but they just heard, all oh, they eat the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. They're, they're, they're crazy cannibals. No, they're not. They're lovers of Jesus, but this is the reality. You are happy and blessed when this happens. But it does seem a little strange. Like you're supposed to be happy when this happens, I have this picture here, oh, I don't know if you've ever watched the show, The Kings of Pain, right? These two really smart men go and find things to bite them, like jellyfish and lizards and here a tarantula, and then they index how much the pain is, how searing it is, how long it lasts, how big the swelling goes, I mean, it's a really brilliant, you know, example of, of human ingenuity and, and wisdom, now, it's just crazy, right? Like who signs up for this show? Yeah, I want to go on that reality show. Please, yeah, let me, you know, get bit by, this one, I had a picture of a lizard. It was not quite good enough resolution, but it's a big lizard, and it just kind of clamps on their forearm, okay? So, but Jesus is like, okay, roll up your sleeves here, and let's take it, guys. Let's take it. And none of us are signing up for that reality show, are we? Why would I want to be on that show? and let like giant wasps, you know, bite me and then watch my my arms swell and then the medic is there and injecting stuff. And we're we're like, well, why would we do this? I mean, I'm curious to see how long these guys will live after going through all this, you know, the kings of pain, but this is the reality. It almost seems like Jesus is talking about this, like like this, like, okay guys, here it is, the highway to happiness. Bring on the lizards, bring on the tarantulas, bring on the wasps, because this is what it's gonna be like. And Tony Evans says this in his book, Kingdom Values, in fact, if you are not facing spiritual persecution or opposition of any kind, then you can assume that you're not living a godly life based on kingdom values there's absolutely no negative repercussions coming your way because of your faith and the choices you make based on it, then your faith is not being clearly demonstrated. You are a secret agent Christian or a spiritual CIA operative. Persecution is part and parcel of the process of kingdom living. It is guilt by association. You might find that a little harsh, but I think Tony is writing in his book to just challenge us to say, you know, so many of us want to go undercover. And one of the old commentators talked about this guy that was going to logging camps in the summer and his family's all worried about him because, you know, those loggers are really crude and rude and guys. And so, so they're praying for him. His mom is praying all summer and he comes home and and she's like, well, how did it go? You know, what happened when you got there? He's like, oh, it was great. Nothing happened. No one found out that I was a Christian. It was great. You know, I just went undercover and no one knew that, you know, but Jesus is like, you know, this is the reality you're gonna to have to roll up your sleeves and take the hit sometimes. E. Stanley Jones in his classic book, when the kingdom talks, he says, this life seems to conquer all kingdoms, but there's one left, the kingdom of pain. In this last beatitude, Jesus says that the kingdom of pain also belongs to you. For those who follow this way do not merely bear pain or escape it or submit to it, they use it. They rejoice and are exceedingly glad in spite of of life is suffering escape it says buddhism life brings suffering use it says jesus and here jesus is bringing a whole new perspective right because this is one thing christianity does that no other religion does is it provides a a a, a, a template a rubric for you to process and understand how does pain fit into life and only christianity actually provides a, a consistent and a reasonable answer to that everyone else fails To provide an answer for pain, right? Like like many religions, like, well, it's the fate of the gods. Just accept it, right? So that guy is sick. He's poor. He's bankrupt. Oh, well, that's just Allah's will for him. I don't have any, you know, I don't need to do anything. Jesus says, go feed that guy. Borrow him some money. Help him out. Dig him out of his hole. Provide some housing for him. Jesus said, you get involved in the pain of others because that's what Christ does. He enters into our world of pain. He rolls up both sleeves. In fact, takes his shirt off and says, give it to me. And why does he do it? For us. And when we take tiny little bites on our arms, we are now participating in the sufferings of Christ, which is a glorious event. Some one that some of you do not want to experience because you hate pain. And Jesus says, there is great joy and blessing in walking with me, identifying with me and taking hits for me. But that's what it comes out to in verse 12 of Matthew 5. It says, Rejoice and be glad. Because your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets before you in the same way. I mean, the, the result of, of, of the this is how the sermon ends. You can be happy and rejoice that you are getting bit by wasps and lizards and tarantulas and who knows what on account of Jesus Christ. Because you're in good company. And not just the prophets, but, uh, you know, as, as the gospel unfolds, Matthew gets to the end and there's Jesus taking, taking the sting for us, the sting of death, once and for all. In Matthew 5, there's this story. You know, the, it's the new church, right? Christ is risen, he's ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit's come down, now the apostles are telling everyone about Jesus. The Jews don't like it. Because it's disrupting the Judaistic, you know, traditions of, of their fathers. And some of you understand this, because when you come to believe in Jesus Christ, if you grow up in a traditional religious home, you're going to disrupt the people around you. They're like, wait, wait a second, was our tradition not good enough? That's what my parents were told. Are our, our traditions not enough? And they said, it's not Jesus. If it's not Jesus, yeah, they're not enough. Traditions don't save you. Faith in Jesus Christ saves you. You might have been baptized as a baby and gone through different confirmations and this and that and so on and so forth, but that doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus Christ saves you. And now I have a relationship with God. I'm not walking in a religious tradition. I'm experiencing a relationship in real time with the real God, the living God. So these guys are preaching and it says that the, the religious leaders, the high priest and his cohort, were intensely jealous because people were really getting into Jesus. So they had them arrested and put into this prison, right? And in the middle of the night, the angel Lord comes and frees these guys. But, but all the gates are still locked. And, 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 but suddenly in the morning, there they are in the temple courts, preaching about Jesus. And the high priest sends his, his guards to go get, bring those guys out. We're going to put them on trial. We're going to make an example of them. And they go to the prison, and they're not there. The guards are like, they're not there. The doors were locked. They weren't in there. And all of a sudden, someone comes, guess what? The guys are in the temple preaching like what you know, so they grab him and they bring him in and how dare you preach and that we told you not to preach in the name of Jesus. And they say we have to obey God before man. A verse that maybe we kind of lost in the last five years of our history even here in Canada. We must obey God before man. And they, you know, they're like, what do we do with these guys? They send them out of the room. They're talking. And they're like, you know, should we, should we kill them? And, you know, finally Gamaliel this one of the leaders. is like, look, guys, if this is real, we're not going to stop it. If it's not real, it will just die on its own. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't kill these guys because we're going to just get in more problems from the people. So, so they, you know, it says, I have here in this, the verse here, this is the end of the story in Acts chapter 5. And they summoned, and they summoned the apostles <laughs> and had them beaten then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and release them. So they left the council rejoicing because they had been considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. And every day, both in the temple courts and from house to house, they did not stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Christ, knowing full well that more beats were coming, and for all of them, eventually death. With the exception of John, who's banished to this island as an old man, and you know, you know, in Patmos there, but but all of them would discover death for following Jesus Christ, according to the tradition of church history. But there they are; they're rejoicing. They're like, "Yeah, we got to be beaten for Jesus!" Woohoo! I mean, would you rejoice for that? But this is what Jesus is talking about—the highway to to happiness. Yeah. Back to 5 verse 12. You know, there it is. Rejoice and be glad. Your reward is great in heaven. And I have this picture here. This is, uh, you know, Lucy and uh, Schroeder. And he tells Lucy, you know what? I'm going to learn all of Beethoven's sonatas. And Lucy says to him, okay, so what's. What's the, what, what do you win if you get to play all of Beethoven's sonatas? Sonata? like, no, you don't win anything if you, if you need to, I just want to play all of Beethoven's sonatas. She's like, what's the use of doing something, working so hard, if you don't win anything for it? And she walks away. And Adam Robinson says that, you know, one of my, my, my profs, that he had, his wife had taught his children piano. And they decided that every time they practiced, they'd get a quarter. This is in the old days, right? It'd be like a tuny today, probably, right? And so he says these kids were mercenary. They practice every day and they fill up little jars of quarters, but that's as far as their musical ambition went. They were following the incentive and not the reward. But the reward for practicing piano is that you can play all of Beethoven's sonatas. You understand? The reward of the highway to happiness is a relationship with Jesus Christ it's not about incentives well if i do this i get this if i do this i get that like you know some families are you pay your kids for every little thing they do around the house and they think that's work. i had a friend that you know he got quarter for this a nickel for this a dime for this and they you know they, they had every every chore kind of indexed to a price but the reality is that kids need to learn that families work together that if we paid mom for everything she did we'd all be bankrupt right that's the nature of a family everyone does something because we contribute to it together That's the reward of being part of a family. Instead of incentives, it's reward. And Jesus here is talking about the reward of following Jesus Christ. The relationship is the reward. Let's go back to 5 verse 12 there. You have a reward. And when you got Jesus with you, you can take the beats, right? You can be the only kid in the class that's not doing the stupid stuff. You may be the kid that's saying, yeah, I'm choosing not to go to those parties. You're, you're, the, you're the guy at work that's not participating in the crude talk and discussion. You're, you're the woman who's, who's not dissing her husband to everyone else because you're like, no, I actually love my husband. I, I really re- respect him and appreciate what, what he does in our, in our home. And you're like, why do you act like that? We're all here, you know, complaining about our husbands. Why, why aren't you join us? Because I don't want to do that. Because it's not the right thing to do in this moment. Because God calls me to a different standard. Why doesn't your language match our language? Because I, I just don't need to use those words. I actually love the English language. Great adjectives and adverbs that I can use without just pertaining to those one or two that all of you use all the time. Did you pass English class? No, they didn't. You, know, you use some good language. You know, and so, so slowly and surely you begin to infect the place in which you live because of Jesus Christ. And some people aren't going to like it. But you can rejoice and be glad because you're in good company, good company. All right, questions to consider. If you're arrested for being a believer in Jesus Christ, would they have enough evidence to convict you? Yeah, or no. Uh, Would they know? You know, I'm going to put it in this terms, right? Right. Say you're, you're in high school and you begin to like someone. I'm gonna take it from my perspective. I'm liking this girl, right? And, and and now, like, say if I'm in modern era, like I'm texting her all the time, right? So the evidence would be like, uh, you know, do, do you like Lisa? Yes. How do I know that? Well, because I, I can I can look at this text stream that just goes on and on and on. You're snapping her all the time, and and every time she comes in the room, you seem to find a way to get to her. You happen to drive by where she works, and you drive by her house, and, and I've I've seen you. You know, you've I got receipts from Safeway. You bought her flowers, and you took her out to the proper, and you you did all these. See, you know, I've got the evidence. You are in love with that woman." You have a relationship with her. Uh, further now, yeah, yeah, I've got. She got the, here, here's the wedding certificate and, you know, here, here's other evidence that you guys are married and, and that there's, there's a relationship here and you could convict me. Could you be convicted for your relationship with Jesus? Could anyone at your workplace say, yeah, they're clearly a believer in Jesus Christ? Because. There's just something about them. They are a peacemaker. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They are pure in heart. They are merciful. They, you know, they they, they are meek, and and they are poor in spirit, and they they, they take sin seriously. Yes, could you be convicted? Could your children convict you? Could they say, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the saddest days of my life was when a young man said, you know, I've never, ever seen my parents read their Bibles. I'm like, are you serious? This guy's in his 20s, and they went to church their whole life, he went to Christian school, he never saw his parents open their Bibles. Shame! Could you be convicted? Number two, are you afraid of the pain that might come with taking the highway to happiness? Are you afraid? Are you afraid of what your friends might think at school? Yeah, I don't want to put my head above the sand because I'm going to get shot. Yeah, you are. That's what you said. Are you afraid of that? Afraid what your coworkers might think. I mean, this is not you bringing your Bible and smacking people in the workplace with it and you're know, opening it, you know, the biggest Bible you can, opening up at the lunchroom table, and flunk, you know, and, and start handing out tracks. This is not what he's talking about. This is just you living out and walking in your daily life with Jesus. You don't have to be a freak about it, but it's got to be real to you. It comes out of the inside, not on the outside. It's not you, you know, dressing certain ways and wearing, you know, Christian t-shirts to work with, you know, great, crazy, you know, little slogans on it. I mean, you could do that if you want, but that's not what this is about. It's about you just, just, just permeating the, what Jesus has done inside on the outside. Are you afraid of the pain? Jesus says in Luke 9, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he comes in his glory and in the glory of his father and of the holy angels. It doesn't say Jesus will disown you. It just says he'll be ashamed of you. You can get into heaven and be, a, you know, one of those CIA Christians, but Jesus is going to be like, yeah, I'm kind of ashamed that you, you were not willing to, to take the licks with me. He doesn't disown you, but he is ashamed of you. And he invites us today to say, don't be ashamed of me. Join me and discover happiness. Because Christians that live undercover are never happy anyway. Because you're always looking over your shoulder. Who's going to be watching me? What, what are they thinking? What do, what do we know? And, and you can't live your life that way. Sometimes we want to do that. We're always worried about what everyone thinks. What's my family going to say? What are my friends going to say? What are my coworkers going to say? What are my teammates going to say? And ultimately, we need to say, what is Jesus going to say? I mean, through COVID, this is is my reality. I was like, I'm more concerned about what Jesus says to me someday, not what anyone else says. Uh, More so than what my board will say, or what the church will say, or what the community says, or what some media says, or what some health person says. What is Jesus going to say to me? How was he going to hold me accountable on that day when he says, okay, Mike, there was a difficult time in history there and, and I needed you. And where were you? Where were you, Mike? Well, you know, I didn't, didn't really want to stir things up or be called names. Or, you know, where were you, Mike? I put you in that class for a reason. I put you in that job place for a reason. Yeah, there were some mean and, and cantankerous people there, but they needed me. And you didn't say anything. Why didn't you say anything? You never know, actually, the people around you, what they're thinking or feeling and, and, and their openness to spiritual things unless you talk about it or, or, or ex- express it naturally with your life. Okay. Number three. If God measured his investment in your eternal happiness by how much you invest in his kingdom today, how does your portfolio look, right? This is our speed season, right? You understand that, right? If you want to be this one, you get to here. You got to do this, 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 this. I'm not an investor, but I'm saying spiritually this works. He talks about reward. The people that will find the greatest degree of happiness are those that are willing to take this highway. Every step of it. And it ends, you know, with the cross, right? Taking the licks that Jesus took because you are unashamedly his follower, his family member, you know, his disciple. Which brings us to the communion table, right? Jesus died for you and me. He paid the ultimate price. And whatever I offer him is just small, small, small tidbits compared to what he offered for me. Minuscule. You know, it's, it's like a noceum bite on my arm, and he and he's getting his his whole life taken from him for you and for me. And this is a realignment. We do this every month that we, you know, or so as a church, just to realign our hearts. This is what it's all about. Jesus paid a huge Price that we could never pay and this is why I walk and I follow him and I'm not ashamed of him and and even if people cuss me out curse me out put me down don't promote me whatever the case may be I don't care because he gave it all to me and I trust him and I believe in him and I want to walk with him so team would you come up we're gonna we're gonna participate in communion together here this morning are the words of Hebrews 12 1 to 4 It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people that have taken the persecution for Christ, that's what Hebrews is talking about, men and women of the faith that have have endured and and persevered in their their faith, we must get rid of every weight and the sin that that clings so closely and run with endurance the race set out for us. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set out for him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Think of him who endured such opposition against himself by sinners, so that you may not grow weary in your souls and give up. You have not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed in your struggle against sin." And so he said, let's just focus on Jesus. The highway to happiness is not a sprint. It's not a 100, 200, even a 400 yard. It is a marathon. It's an ultra marathon. We keep running, but right in front of us is Jesus. And I I put Jesus in front of you. He's the marker. He's setting the pace right here. And this is a reminder. This is what it's all about. He died for us. His blood was poured out for us. And those that believe in Jesus Christ, I invite you to participate with me in communion this morning. If you're not a believer, you're still on the journey, you're just still checking this thing out, or you're still figuring this thing out, that's fine, just sit and watch us do it. This is a family meal. But if you believe, join us. Part of this too is saying, yeah, you know what, I I just, I want to walk away from sin and I want to walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I want my life to reflect Jesus more than it reflects my old way of life. And this is a a reality. Let's, Let's realign our lives with Jesus. Christ this morning. So I'm going to invite you, when you're ready, to come forward and and grab. We also, Pastor Light, will be circulating with a tray. If you want to stay seated, he will serve you where you're seated. That's fine, too. There is a gluten-free option here in the middle. So you can come and grab that. So just come up, and I'll have several several stations. Just come, and when you're ready, grab your stuff, sit down, and then we'll partake together as a family, reminding us that we're in this highway together. We're not traveling alone. Jesus is with us, but we have each other. That's what the church is all about. Let's pray as we prepare for communion. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. Forgive us when we've been wimpy, when we've been ashamed, when we've not taken a stand for Jesus at our schools, at our workplaces, at our family gatherings. We don't need to be crazy about it, but we don't need we need to be open about it. Unashamed that we love you and are so glad for what you've done in our lives. So forgive us our sins. Forgive us where we failed to take the steps on the highway to happiness even this week, where we weren't peacemakers, where we were impure in our thoughts, when we, when we weren't meek, when we didn't extend mercy, when we hungered and thirsted for other things besides your righteousness. Lord, forgive us for those things. We mourn over that sin. We've asked for a realignment of our heart this morning with you and your Holy Spirit as we partake in communion together. And we come with pure hearts and thankful hearts for what you've done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name.